How's everybody doing? I'm glad you found us this morning. Was it hard to get here? Yeah, I think there was only maybe one, maybe two ways uh, in and out of here, but we're so glad that you're here worshiping with us and those who are joining us online. Um, I love the words of that last song, I will wait for you. I will wait for you. If you turn to Galatians 6, 1 through 10, uh, we will be there eventually. Uh, the other scriptures are in your outline and will be up on the screen. We're in the series, True or False. And this morning, uh, the statement is, God won't give you more than you can handle. Thank you. Yeah, whoever laughed, uh, yeah. Think for a moment about a time when either you were moving or you help someone else move. If you need a Bible, by the way, slip a hand up. We've got ushers that have Bibles. They'd love to get one in your hands there. You can borrow it this morning. So either you're moving or you're helping somebody else move. And the back of the U-Haul is packed with boxes of all different shapes, all different sizes, and different weights. Now imagine you're the one in the, in the truck and you're handling and you're handing out all of the boxes <clears throat> to various people who are there to help carry the boxes inside of the new house. As a person approaches, you size them up without them knowing and you hand them a box that you believe they can handle. The right size, the right shape, the right weight, all without trying to offend the person or overestimate their ability. So I want you to have that picture in mind. <clears throat> I remember back in 1997, I was working here at Bethel Church as a youth pastor under Pastor Jim Pearson. Anybody remember him? I absolutely loved that man. We were at his house moving a piano and on one end of the piano, there were a couple of men doing the shuffle, you know, the, that kind of a thing. And they put me alone on the other end of the piano and I lifted my end up and away we went. After it was in place, Jim said, Andy, you're built like a middle linebacker. He didn't finish the sentence, but I know what was in his mind. He was thinking the Bears, Brian Erlacher. <laughs> but the problem is he didn't enter the league until 2000. Since that time, Andy's mountains have had a couple of volcano eruptions. <laughs> but maybe that's how God works. God has a truck full of boxes, full of various kinds of struggles trials, pain, experiences. And then as he sizes us up, he hands them out accordingly based on how much he believes we can handle. It, it looks like th uh, this person can handle a tragic death. Here's your box. Careful, it's heavy. It looks like you can handle a major illness. Here you go. Oh, you, it looks like you can, you can handle your spouse cheating on you. Not once, not twice, but three times. Oh, and, and you, you're special. You can handle a troubled teen, aging parents who need your full attention, a cheating spouse, a child with terminal illness, and a loss of a job all at one time. 
When we say God won't give you more than you can handle, that's what we are saying. We are saying God sizes us up and then hands out the right box or boxes accordingly. Let's dig into scripture and see what God's word says about who he is and what we can bear. Number one, if you're following along, God will not let you experience temptation beyond what you can bear. And that's 1 Corinthians 10, 13 here in a second. So for centuries, people have been misquoting and misusing 1 Corinthians 10, 13 in hopes to make it say something that it does not say. I mean, who doesn't look for understanding when they feel like the stuffing is being beat out of them or when the box that they are carrying is way too heavy? We, we want answers. We want escape. We want understanding. Many want this verse to say, God does not give us more than we can handle. And as we'll learn here in a minute, that's a big fat lie. I don't say that to discourage you. I say that because there is greater hope in our struggle than what we believe we can handle. So what does this verse say? 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Nowhere in this verse does it mention trial, suffering, pain, struggle. Instead, this verse is addressing the issue of, of temptation, not a trial. Uh, when we talk about temptation, according to James chapter one, there, there is this four stage uh, progression that he mentions. In, in the first chapter of James, he says, first there's the desire. When, when each person is tempted, when they're dragged away by their own evil desires within them. And then, and then there's this deception where they're enticed. And then there's disobedience after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And then there's death, finally it says, and sin when it is full grown gives birth to death. The same stages of temptation are on full display in Genesis chapter three at the very beginning when the serpent used desire to interest Eve. He deceived Eve by causing her to question whether, the, whether the, the tree was truly forbidden and then Eve disobeyed by taking and eating the fruit and then giving it to her husband and, and they both experienced spiritual death as a result. That pattern is there. And let me say it another way, desire the deep inner craving within us that, that, that convinces and, and then gives birth to sin and then sin that grows up and produces its own offspring, which is death. And this progression is so important to understand if we're going to resist temptation. Temptation comes from a deep inner craving for satisfaction, happiness, pleasure, all outside of God. Temptation dangles itself in front of our desires which if we do not resist, become impregnated by the father of sin, Satan himself, unconfessed and unrepentant sin leads to death. Using a predator metaphor from the Old Testament in Genesis, God warned Cain that sin is crouching at the door. It's desirous for you, but you must rule over it. Sin stalks us, but God is faithful. Sin desires to overcome us, 
but there is a merciful way of escape. Sin sets the bait, but for the believer, God will provide a way out so that you can endure it. Now, if people apply Paul's words about temptation to general sufferings, you can see where the line, God will not give you more than you can handle, comes from. I don't doubt the sincerity and the good intentions of those who use this phrase, but sincerity isn't enough. Secondly, God will let you experience trials beyond what you can bear. We're gonna be in 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 10 in just a second, but I wanna show you kind of the bookends of those few verses. Because if we back up the truck just a little bit, in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, Paul writes this, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. He was making exceptionally clear that this extraordinary power belongs to God. And it does not come from us. The message of freedom through the gospel that God has entrusted is of great worth. The jars of clay. The jars were a great metaphor of illustrating the fragility of life in contrast to the valuable treasure of the gospel within the jar and God's surpassing power in us. Then if a person were to, to page ahead to 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10, you would read this. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. We are reminded through the jars of clay metaphor and how God's power and strength is our only lifeline during hardship and weaknesses in this life. And it's right between those two truths of where our strength and power comes from in this life and where Paul shares his, his life journey at a glance. And that's what's found in 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 10. This is what it says. We are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. To say and to believe, God will not give me more than I can handle, assumes our assistance and unique ability in the equation to endure. It suggests the size of box that we can handle while leaving out the one who truly holds the box. And it's not you, it's not me. What we're seeing here at a glance is, is Paul's sufferings and his weaknesses. As to say, I have been hard pressed, perplexed, meaning surrounded and trapped, I have been persecuted and struck down, not knowing which way to turn, not knowing where to go or what to do or who to lean on. However, we can't miss the four buts in these two verses. Listen, but not crushed, but not in despair, but not abandoned, but not destroyed. The scripture always points to our, 
our own inadequacies and weaknesses while directing our attention to God who lacks nothing. The weight of the box that you bear has nothing to do with your ability. It has everything to do with his ability. The saying God will never give you more than you can handle suggests a tone of fairness. The concept eases our anxiety thinking that the scales are in balance, that God has assessed what we can handle and permits our trials accordingly to us. But there's a problem with fairness. God has been unfair already in other ways. Can you think of how? Because he has not dealt with us as our sins deserve. That doesn't seem fair. He has been patient, he's been gracious and abounding in love. That doesn't seem fair. Friends, I think we all agree that there's never a good time for your life to be wrecked, to be shattered, to be derailed. But the saying, God will never give you more than you can handle, says to us, I have what it takes. I can bear whatever comes my way. It tells me God permits trials according to my ability to endure them. That thinking points to an inward and directly at self-sufficiency, I. The Bible never points us inward for anything, ever. The Bible always points us Godward. As the psalmist says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. God gives power to the faint and increases the strength of the weak. The power comes from him to those who wait on him. The song we just sang. James 1, 2, and 4 says this, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Friends, we can imagine a life where God gives us more than we can handle because you're living it right now. If all I need is me, then I have no need for God. If I have no need for God, my life will certainly reflect the lie that I'm believing because I will be crushed under the weight. For years, people have been pulling up their bootstraps when they face trials rather than wearing out their knees. Have you ever tried to pull up your bootstraps while you're on your knees? Have you ever tried to pull up your bootstraps while you're looking to God? We simply attempt to ease the pain and make sense of the confusion in our life. James says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Pure joy is the work of the Holy Spirit in us and it comes from our ability to trust in God. Regardless, listen to this, It's our ability to trust in God regardless of what we see, feel, or experience. That's where the joy comes from. 
James and other New Testament writers assume and imply we will have trials. In fact, trials of many kinds, different kinds, trials that come from all different directions and affect all different areas of life, different size boxes. Some that are easy to carry and others that are impossible. Trials cannot be controlled. They are by definition challenges and difficulties that come from the outside. They're inevitable and quite necessary and beneficial for us as believers. If you wanna live as a follower of Christ, you have to expect them. They are required. Just quickly, I wanna remind us of the sources of trials because often when people are in a trial, they wanna try to figure out where's this coming from? One source is God and he causes. Some trials come postmarked by God himself. Nothing happens, right? If we believe this to be true, that nothing happens unless the omnipotent, which means the all-powerful God, wills it to happen. He either permits it to happen or he brings it about himself. That kind of slaps the God won't give me more than I can handle in the face. But there's a, there's a second angle. Maybe God doesn't cause it intentionally, but maybe he allows it. But, but then again, in fact, if, if he's sovereign and all powerful, then he had to have allowed it. If he causes and allows all things, it's one or the other. But then there's those natural consequences. Some of our trials are the result of natural consequences. When God created us, he gave us this most incredible gift and I'm so thankful for it. It's called free will. People are free to act according to their nature. And when you place free will and a corrupt sinful nature in the same room together, they're like magnets. They cannot resist one another. When our free will gives way to our corrupt sinful nature, there are natural consequences that God has already established and put into motion. Some of our boxes we build ourselves. And then there's the attack of the evil one. The evil one is playing havoc in many people's lives. Gift wrapping, so to speak, boxes. Boxes of doubt, discouragement. Here's a box of shame, self-destruction. Here's a box of abuse, of wickedness or confusion. So instead of spending too much time on the point of the origin of the box, where it comes from, let's ask why we have the box. And James already gave us the answer. Because you know that the testing of your faith builds perseverance. Perseverance means staying power. It's the idea to remain steadfast in the midst of difficulties. It's just the method that God uses to sanctify us. The boxes that you carry are always an opportunity for God to be glorified and for you to be sanctified. Thirdly, God never intended for you to handle life alone. Galatians 6, 1 through 10. Brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. 
Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else, for each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Knowing that God gives us more than we can handle on our own. Are we just left alone to try to figure it out? Are we just left alone to try to carry it? Or does he have a plan in that? I want us to focus our remaining time on verse two and verse five in that passage. The idea of burdens and responsibility. Verse two, carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. So the idea Paul presents in the context of this passage has to do with being caught or overtaken by sin. But the principle of burdens and responsibility is also applicable to life in a general sense. So verse two again, carry each other's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. The word burden represents a back-breaking boulder, a very heavy box, if you will. It could be finances, it could be extended family, it could be kids, it could be marriage, it could be work, it could be addiction, mental illness, health, school, relationships, lust, identity, just to name a few. It could also be the repercussions or the consequence of a decision or an emotional crisis, or certainly it represents, as Paul is specifically talking about here, a pattern of sin. Nonetheless, all of these things are represented by the size and the weight of the boxes that we carry in this life. What's God's plan? It is our responsibility to come along, side each other in the context of life and relationship with a tender spirit and with love and with grace and help each other carry the burdens of this life. God has put people in your life to help lift and carry the boxes that you're trying to carry alone. God has put you in other people's lives to help them carry the weight of their box. Both people are there for one another to help carry each other's burdens. So imagine a heavy box or a backbreaking boulder, however you wanna think about it, and somebody's carrying that. They're never meant to carry it alone. And one of God's answers is that believers come alongside and say, hey, let me help you carry that. To carry each other's burdens suggests a few things. We all have them. 
We have to get to a place where we admit that we need help and that we can't carry the weight all by ourselves and we have to let other people share the load. God gives us more than we can handle. He doesn't give us more than he can handle and one of the ways he lightens the load is by having other people in our lives to share the weight. When we come before the Lord and we say to him, this is too heavy. There are times when he may choose to take it away, but there are also times when he may point us to people in our lives to help shoulder the load. Maybe God is speaking to you right now, telling you the box you are trying to carry is too heavy for you alone. Maybe he's speaking to you right now, bringing to mind others who need you to carry a corner of their box. Verse two cannot be accomplished where vulnerability does not exist. Most of us, most of the time, only allow others to see the very small part of our own lives, the best version of self, that's what we present. The rest of us is hidden behind a curtain. The only way you can help carry another's burden or they can help carry yours is by pulling back the curtain and letting them see into the mess of your life. <clears throat> There's a very important distinction in this passage. Verse five, for each one should carry their own load. So verse five seems to completely contradict <clears throat> everything I just said about carrying each other's burdens. The word load is slightly different from the word burden. So remember burden is a backbreaking boulder or this heavy box that we're talking about. So while burden means a backbreaking boulder, a heavy box, as we have been talking about, load means one's daily responsibilities of life. Attitudes, feelings, values, growth, and of course, everyday difficulties. It represents the things that we cannot and should not take from another person because they need to own the responsibility of it. This will be a light bulb for, for some of you. While we come alongside and we help carry the weight of another person's burden, let me help you carry the corner of that box. I can see that you're struggling. We don't try and take the responsibility from them. The responsibility belongs to them and it needs to remain on them. This is still your box. It might sound like this. We are responsible to each other, but not for each other. We are fulfilling what God has asked us to do when we help each other carry boxes, but we cross a line when we take the box from them. Do you have people in your life right now that can help you with that? Hey, it's a great opportunity to plug life groups. Um, we're gonna have a huge push for life groups this fall. If you're not in a life group, that's what we call our small group ministry here at Bethel. I highly encourage you, and maybe right now you're like, yeah, I've been interested in that. Let, let somebody on staff know, hey, I wanna be in a life group, or, or maybe even you're saying like, I'd like to host a life group, right? This past uh, Friday, our life group spent the day at the lake, and 
it was very generous of, of a person in a life group to open up their lake home for us to come and, and just sit around and, and just hang out and, and talk about life. Now, the older you get, um, you find yourself sitting in a circle talking mostly about health issues, right? It's one of those things where it's like, you know, when you used to say about your parents, all you guys talk about is your doctor appointments. There is a little bit of that, I have to agree. But there is nothing like having people in your life that you are doing life with, that you have been willing to pull the curtain back a little bit and allow them to see in the mess of your life and they've done the same for you and you're like, let me help you carry that. A load is the responsibility of life. We need to keep in view the line between helping shoulder the weight and taking from them the responsibility and God's plan is not for us to rescue others. He is in the rescue business. I wanna leave you with one thing and then in just a couple of minutes as our worship team comes back up, we're gonna sing a couple more songs. During that time, maybe you haven't been here when we've done this, um, I would like to offer prayer down front. So Lori and I will be down here, other elders will be down here, any pastors that are here can be down here or find another place in the auditorium where maybe people um, could join you. And I always say this and, and I just say, hey, if you come for prayer, um, just, just even if we're best friends, even if we're in life group together, just, just say your name because sometimes it's, it's hard to remember uh, in the moment, just say, hey, I'm, I'm so-and-so and um, I could really use prayer for this. And I, I believe that there's probably folks in this room that are carrying a really heavy box. And one of the ways that we can help with the weight of that is just praying over you. So if that's you and you wanna come, um, just come forward and just tell us your name and, and tell us what you're coming forward for and we'd just love to pray for you. Philippians 1, 6 says this, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. But listen to this, as we walk the journey of completion, because that's what's happening in us, the sanctification completion, as we walk that journey, share what needs to be shared, burdens, and own what needs to be owned, responsibility.